The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. If you're visiting with us today and you're not sure about the uh, Scripture, how to use it, there is a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can open up to the table of contents and find where the book of Acts is in the New Testament. We'll be in Acts chapter number 20. And again, kind of like last week, uh, chapter 20 is, is just such a profound, wonderful chapter, and it's very long, and so uh, I can't possibly uh, do justice to the entire text today. And so we will be, today we'll be in verse 17 down to verse number 38, and it'll be everything we can do to get out of here by 4 o'clock. And you always laugh as if you don't want to stay. And in fact, uh, in your re- reading this week, if you'll read uh, some of the beginning first 12 verses of chapter number 20, you'll find that the Apostle Paul preached so long one evening that in a stuffy candlelight room, a guy was on the second floor and he was trying to stay awake and he fell asleep, fell to his death because Paul had gone long in preaching. Paul came down, brought him back to life through the power of the Lord Jesus and went back to preaching and preached until dawn. So I just think that you should be thankful that I'm not going to preach until dawn tomorrow, but uh, maybe I should be thankful because I probably would be preaching to myself by tomorrow. Acts chapter number 20, verse 17 to verse number 38. For those of you that don't know, this might have slipped your mind or uh, might not have uh, seen it this week, but a very influential preacher and evangelist, uh, uh, probably the most important evangelist of the last century, Uh, passed away this week, Billy Graham. I'm sure none of you saw that. Of course, I'm just being facetious. Uh, What an empowered man of God. And uh, the Lord Jesus spoke spoke with him and spoke through him. And many thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people, if not into the millions over his long life, came to faith in Jesus Christ. What a profound and an influential life. In fact, he was uh, such a great preacher. Even this morning on the walk-in, uh, as I got to church, it was a little humbling for me. Everybody needs a slice of humble pie. I had uh, one person approach me and said, oh, man, I don't think, uh, I've been listening to Billy Graham sermons all this weekend. I don't think anything you got is going to beat what he can do. And thank you for the encouragement, my dear sister. That was fantastic. Then I saw a small group of gentlemen meeting together. I wasn't sure if that was the Fire the Pastor committee or not, but uh, they had taken a straw poll and felt as if maybe it might be best today if I sat down and we just played a video of Billy Graham preaching. Uh, I, I told them the same thing I tell you. I, I would be delighted to do that. His, his sermons, his ministry, his preaching uh, was so filled and empowered by the Spirit of God. But I can tell you that if Billy Graham were here with us today, he'd say, no, son, uh, you stand up and preach the Bible because it's not in the power of the person, but it's in the power of the Word of God and of the living Holy Spirit and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 
So we want to do the best that we can today. But I was just thinking this week of how uh, that passing and, and thinking through some of his life and all of the hundreds of articles that have been put up about it, how it just kind of blended into the text today. And uh, where we find ourselves in Acts chapter number 20, the Apostle Paul meets at Miletus with the leaders from Ephesus in verse 17 down to the end. And it is his farewell sermon. It is the last sermon that he is going to preach and give to those elders there at Ephesus. And in some sense, you know, the Apostle Paul, many times he would preach to the Gentile or he would preach at the Areopagus and give apologetics or he would preach to the Jews. But in this text, he is actually preaching to pastors. And so you get to see in this text a little bit of the opening up of the heart of a pastor. And it's his farewell sermon to these dear pastors. And I thought, my goodness, what a wonderful way for us to see the Apostle Paul's final sermon to the leaders at Ephesus and think about uh, Billy Graham and his last message uh, to all of us as believers. In fact, when I, uh, when I was kind of putting this together, I just Googled uh, Billy Graham's last sermon. It was a couple of years ago, I think 2014 or 2015, and uh, there he is sitting in his home in the rocking chair. He gives his last message, and his last message is nothing other than the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And Jesus lived and died and was buried and rose again, and any human being in the world that would repent, show repentance toward God, and faith in Jesus Christ could have eternal life both in this life and in the life to come. And that simple message of the hope of Jesus Christ carried throughout the world saw countless thousands come to faith in Christ. And so today we want to look at the Apostle Paul's final or farewell message to those leaders at Ephesus. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this in sections. If you're kind of keeping notes with me, Verse 17 down to verse number 21. I think maybe what we'll do is break it in three parts. The Apostle Paul tells them about his past, about his present, and about his future. And so we'll just look at these a little bit at a time and I'll point out some things to you in the text. So from verse 17 to verse number 21, let me, uh, let me just read along and make some comments as we go along with this. It says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. That is, the pastors, the leaders, those those. Men who are called out to be leaders, a plurality of leaders in these local church. He called to them. He said, come to me. And the reason why is because he had experienced all kinds of persecution in Ephesus. His face and his heart was set to get to Jerusalem. And so he did not want to be stoned again in Ephesus. So he said, look, I'm here in Miletus. This is just a hop, skip, and a jump away. So come over here and I'm going to give you a, a final farewell. And then look at what he says about his past here in verse number 18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know. You ought to have something like that. It's, a, it's an emphatic you here. It's said a couple of times. It's like, hey, you, you ought to know this for sure. You yourselves know that from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the entire time. Isn't that wonderful about the Apostle Paul? He said, listen, I hit the ground running from the first time that I showed up on your campus, from the first time that I made it over to Asia, from the first time that I stepped into your country and into your life. I didn't, uh, I wasn't lazy. I didn't put off the work. I got right to work. And what does he say? He says, I was with you. 
Not that I lectured you, not that I just told you what to go do, but I was with you. I was with you in the trenches. I worked with you and ministered with you and I cried with you and preached with you and brought souls to Christ. I was with you in the ministry. And Just a little maybe application here to those that are elders in training. As you're leading and working and growing, you ought to always be reaching one step behind and find another brother and ladies, you ought to find other sisters in Christ that are one step or two steps behind you and reach back and mentor them. Don't just tell them what to do. Walk with them in the living out of the Christian life for Jesus. And then look what it says here in verse number 19. Look at his motive. He says, I was serving the Lord. The motive of the Apostle Paul when he came to Asia was to serve the Lord. Hey church, can I just speak to us for a moment and ask you, can I put that in your lap? Is your motive in the Christian life to serve God? Or are you trying to serve yourself? Do you wake up every day with a desire as a believing Christian to walk with the Lord and to serve Him, to serve Him at your job, to serve Him in your relationships, to serve Him with your family, to serve Him in every facet of your life? Do you wake up and live and breathe within the air of serving the Lord Jesus Christ? Or is your motive something ulterior? Do you have a desire to build up your own name or make a name for yourself or have popularity or to have a bank? account that is stashed with money for later in life. I just want to ask you, what is the motive of your life? Is it to serve the Lord? And this week, as I thought about Billy Graham, could we not say that uh, one of the motives, probably the foremost motive in his mind, was to serve the Lord by preaching the gospel? Amen? That ought to be our motive. All of that money, many, many, many thousands of dollars that pours into that ministry and they give it out and give it out and give it out so that people can come to faith in Christ all around the world. I want to say to us that one of our motives ought to be to serve the Lord. But then not only notice the motive that it is serving the Lord, but look at the manner in which he serves the Lord. He says, serving the Lord with humility and with tears and with trials which came by the plots of the Jews. May I just say to us as believers in our Christian life that the motive of our life ought to be to serve the Lord, but the very manner in which we serve the Lord ought to be one of humility. I would say that humility is the soil in which all other Christian attributes grow out of. And in fact, you can learn a lot of things in ministry and in life and for the Lord, but you'll never learn the things that you should learn unless you have humility teeming within the soil of your own life. That is that you have not a false humility, that you're constantly telling people how bad you are. Please don't partake in self-mortification, but you ought to have an accurate view of who you are. And humility, I think, as Oswald Sanders would say, is less thinking less about yourself and more just not thinking about yourself at all. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul says, that we esteem others better than ourselves? There ought to be a humility in our life. But not only does he serve the Lord with humility, he says, I serve the Lord in humility and with tears. I was uh, teaching our uh, youth guys class this morning and we were talking about Romans chapter number 9 and verse number 2, how the Apostle Paul seems to say to us that I wish to God that maybe I could even lose my own salvation if it meant that my brothers in the Jewish world would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I told them, I said, listen, the Apostle Paul's here and your pastor's way down here and I just take all the, I want to be honest with you, I'm not where Paul is. I don't wish that I were lost so that lost people could be saved, but that's something to shoot for in our lives, isn't it? 
I want to get to the place in my life where I could genuinely say, Lord, I know I can't lose my salvation. I, I know that I'm forever saved for what you have done, and not for what I have done. But I want lost people to be saved so much. I want there to be a tearful burdening in my life that my neighbors that are going to hell, that my friends, co-workers, and family that don't know Jesus, that somewhere down deep in my heart, there is a burden and there are tears for lost people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. I want that in my life, and you should want to serve God with humility and with tears and with trials. That's probably a verse that those who are preaching the prosperity gospel don't like to hear so much. But I want you to understand that if you're truly serving the Lord, and you cannot serve the Lord without trials coming into your life, and rather than hating the trial and fleeing the trial, we bow before the trial under the mighty hand of God and say, God, this is tough. It is hard, but it's for your glory and our good. Teach me to understand how to press in and to be more like Jesus in the middle of my suffering, in the middle of my pain, in the depths of my heartache. I want to be like Jesus. I want to serve the Lord, but I want to do so with humility and with tears and even in my trial. Look what he says, verse number 20. He's speaking here about his past with these people. How I did not shrink from declaring to you to shirk back. The, the word here has the idea that I, that I didn't repel, that I, I, I didn't fall away from teaching you the whole truth of God, those things that were profitable to you. Can I say something to you? You ought to pray for those who lead and teach and work with you because sometimes standing in this place can be one of the loneliest places in the world when you begin to say truth that rubs people the wrong way. But it must be said in the demonstration of love and grace and power. Amen. And even in your own life when it comes to raising your children or discipling and loving your spouse or, hey, can I want to say something to you? There has to be some times where we tell each other in our friendships that you're doing wrong. You're not a good friend if you can't look somebody in the face in love and appropriately say what you're doing is sin. That's not an easy way to be. And the Apostle Paul says, when I was with you, I, I didn't shrink back. I didn't move away. I stood in the firmness of the Lord Jesus Christ and I said those things that were profitable to you. Look in verse number 20. You'll see three modes of speech here where it says declaring and teaching and testifying. You see that? All my English teachers are loving that part of your Bible. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to and from house to house and solemnly testifying to you both uh, the Jews and the Greeks and then watch here I see Billy Graham in this text don't you what were you teaching and declaring and preaching Paul repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ Paul says to us in his farewell sermon, he says, in my past, the way that I ministered to you was by declaring and teaching and proclaiming the simple truth that Jesus Christ came into the world to die for our sins and He rose again. And any man, woman, boy or girl who will turn from themselves and turn from their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ can have everlasting life. And can I just take a quick time out and say that to this congregation this morning, member and visitor alike, whether you're 10, 20 or 70 years old, whether you have no church background or you were 
were born within the four walls of this building. If you have never come to the place in your life where you have turned from your sin, you have stopped trusting in yourself, you have stopped making yourself the Lord of your life, and you bowed in repentance toward God and put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone, you are lost and on your way to the devil's hell, and you need to cast off everything in your life. Flee to Jesus and believe on Him today for everlasting life. That is the simple message of the gospel. That is what has brought thousands and millions down to the ages to, to Christ. That is what has built the kingdom of God. That is how the church is built. Not on me, not on Billy Graham, not on the Apostle Paul, but on the finished work of Jesus. Amen. Let's go out of here today. The Apostle Paul preaches to us his, his last sermon to the leaders at Ephesus and he says, when I was with you, this is what I did. I came to you to serve the Lord. I did it in humility and I proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, when they put us in the ground, and I, I assure you probably nobody in this room, me included, will ever lie in state anywhere. There won't be news broadcasts going 24 hours a day for an entire weekend on our lives. But when loved ones come and they put flowers at your tombstone, and the days pass, how will they remember us? Did we proclaim the new good news of Jesus Christ? Did we come to serve the Lord? Did we do it in humility? And did we pick up the mantle of the message of Jesus and just simply try the best we could to swallow down our nerves and to say to the people who are around us, this is how I came to faith in Jesus Christ. Won't you trust Jesus? That's what I want to be said about me. If you were preaching your last sermon, what would people remember about you? Look at the Apostle Paul. He moves to the present in verse number 22 down through verse number 27. And I move quickly this morning. Look at the present. He says, and now, right? It's not like I'm a genius here, right? He moves from the past. He's been speaking in uh, past tense and now he moves to the present tense. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit... I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Can I, just a quick little aside in verse number 22. Uh, maybe a good uh, study for you sometime was just to, just to read the gospel accounts of Jesus' uh, last journey to Jerusalem and then mirror that with the Apostle Paul's journey to Jerusalem and you will find all kinds of correlations and connections going on here. And this is what he says, bound by the Spirit. That is simply that the Spirit of God has made it clear in the Apostle Paul's heart that he is going to Jerusalem and he knows what's going to happen there. And look at verse 23. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies, there it is again, to me in every city saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Can I ask you a question? Maybe just a, a little application for your own life, a thought or reflection question for you. If the Spirit of God did speak to you in the way that He spoke the Apostle Paul, and day after day and city after city, night after night, He told you that I have a responsibility, I have a job, I have a destination, I have a work for you to do, but it's going to come with hardships and suffering and pain, would you do it? Would I do it? Look back down at the text. From verse number 24 down to verse number 27, the Apostle Paul gives us 
some multiple kind of metaphors or some reflections about what he considered of his life. And so I'll just point those out to you. Look at verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account. You see the word there, account, as dear to myself. Or, But I do not consider or account or recognize or, or to tally. It's an accounting term. The Apostle Paul says basically here, I'm an accountant. And I have tallied up the worth of my life. I have counted up all of the things that I want to do and all of the things that I, I want to see and be. And he says, listen, I count everything in my life. He says this in, in Philippians. I count everything in my life as refuse, as dung, as rubbish that I may win Christ, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, I've counted my life and I count it not even worthy. I'm not going to worry about all the things that I want in the flesh. I'm going to serve Jesus. Maybe today you should take the aspect of an accountant in your life and just tally up all the things in your life that you value more than serving Jesus. But look at what he says here. So that I may finish my course. You see, he moves from an accountant to a runner. And of course, with a physique like mine, you can tell that I run all the time. You could have laughed there. But you didn't. That means you think I'm... Okay, I'm just messing with you. Look what he says here. He says that I may finish my course... In another place, he says, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says, I've fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, I've run finished my course, henceforth is laid up for me the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we are in a race, and it is not a sprint, it is a marathon, and we are to be faithful and continue serving Jesus all the days of our life when we feel like we're running good in the mile, and when we feel the pains in our stomach, whenever we feel hurt, we always continue to be faithful to the race that we may finish the course. But look what he says here as well too. Not only does he call himself an accountant and a runner, but he would say that he was a steward as well. He says, and the ministry which I received, it was handed over to me from the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the ministry, the life, the Christianity, the family, those things that God has given into your life, do you count yourself as a good steward? Are you being faithful to, uh, to be a steward of what God has planted in your life? Children and, uh, and and to our young adults, I say to all of us, if you're in a place of education right now, you're in school, you are to be a steward of what God has put in, in, in place and right in front of you. In fact, I'll just kind of share with you, open, open mic night. Listen, I've had to receive the conviction in my own heart of this. I, I'm trying to finish up my dissertation. And, uh, you know, I've had a, just a few things in our life happen in the last eight, nine months. And uh, you know what? But the Lord said to me the other day, so my own heart said, son, you got to finish that thing. You're supposed to be a steward of your time. You're supposed to be a steward of your word. So either get out of it or finish it. Okay, so I'm going to get out of it. No, I'm just messing with him. <laughs> Maybe. All right, we'll deal with that. And I need some counseling. All right, listen. Look what he says here. To just be a steward. Hey, can I say something to you? The job that you're in, you may not like the job that you're at right now. Okay, that's fair enough. But whatever work you're in right now, God's called you to be a steward of that until you're done. Do it well. Do it right. Because the Lord Jesus has put that into your life. If you're involved in a family, if you have a younger brother or a younger sister, if you have friends in your life, ladies, if you have other folks that you're working, other ladies in your life that you're disciple and men that you're discipling, God has put them into your presence and you're to be a steward over the ministry that God has given you. Steward them well. Yeah? Look what it says back down in the text. I'll move quickly. Look at verse number 25. And now behold, I know that all of you 
Oh, well, I better back up. Look at the end of 24. From the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Right? Not only are we accountants, not only are we runners and stewards, but we're witnesses as well too to testify of the solemn grace of God. Hey, listen, I'm not going to do this because I'm not like a, a, one of those guys that likes to heap guilt on anybody. But if there were a little, in the terror way of your bulletin today, if you wrote on there, let's say, I want uh, country ham and eggs Wednesday night with a side of bacon. I don't know what we're eating Wednesday night. But listen, whatever you put up, if there was a little place on the terror way that said, I have been a faithful witness of the grace of God this last week. Yes or no? Now, I know some of my wisecracks in here, you're saying I would just left, leave it unchecked. <laughs> but if you didn't have a choice, you had to check. Yes or no? I've been a faithful witness of the grace of God this past week. What would you, what would you put? What would I put? Let me look at verse 25. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom of God, and he's a herald, will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of men. For I did not, there it is again, shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel or the whole purpose of God. Are these things, could they be said of your life in the present, in the last week today? It's just the way that you're living your life. Do you, do you let life pass by? Or do you take some time to reflect on these aspects and say, hey, listen, am I, am I an accountant? Am I really thinking about my life and what I value most and what I'm going to give the most of my, my time to? Am, am I a witness? Am I really running the race? Am I testifying of what the Lord has done? Am I living this life the way that the Lord wants me to live? Or are you just kind of passing by and getting along okay? I want to encourage you. The Apostle Paul says in his last sermon, how is faithful in the past to you and even to the current moment, I am trying to live my life to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do that? Would you try and live this week to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let me give you the last part and we'll finish for today. From verse 28 down to the end, he speaks about the future. And uh, just follow along in some of these verses with me. Uh, he says, be on guard for yourself. And for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And he says here, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will rise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Let me just pause for a minute before we go to the end. He says here, I want you to be on guard. And he's talking to the elders and the pastors and the leaders of the church. He's saying, listen, I want you to be very, very careful because this is God's flock, not your flock. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has purchased this church and redeemed this church. And God has graciously set us in, uh, over top of this congregation that we might lead, not that we might, uh, might do something in a mean way, but that we might guide and protect and lead into the way of righteousness. That's why God gives us leaders in church life. And look Look at what he says. I want you to be on guard. Why? Because there's wolves from the outside. There's wolves that are inside the flock. And then he says, be careful about your own self. Sometimes it's the enemy without. Sometimes it's the enemy within the body. And sometimes it's the enemy within me. And you too, okay? That's what he's saying. I'm reminded of um, Watchman Nee. 
And uh, you might not know Watchman Nee. He wrote The uh, Normal Christian Life and The Overcoming Christian Life and The Spiritual Man. Several books um, lived uh, uh, in the 50s and 60s and early part of the 70s. And uh, he was a, a Chinaman who uh, put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, during that uh, period of time in Red China, Communist China was uh, dominating and wouldn't allow the open doors for the gospel to come in. And Watchman Nee would uh, make soup and he would go into the highways and the hedges, into the off alleys in uh, major cities, and he would offer soup to the poor and share the gospel with them. He only lived, I believe, to be 27 years old, wrote these books and saw many, many, many people come to faith in Christ. And you know what happened? You know what the communist government did? Uh, instead of just killing him and killing all the believers, this is how maniacal they were at the time. They put him in prison for 20 years. Here's a little side note. He won so many of the guards that were watching him to Jesus that they ended up cutting out his tongue so he couldn't speak. They sent ministers from the government into the churches that he had planted. And they took the next 20 years to brainwash even the people who had become believers to hate Christ. Now you think about a text like this there's wolves without, there's wolves within. And there's wolves within me. Part of the duty of the church here, part of your leaders, is that we guard and protect and we warn you against false teachers and those wolves that are from the out that would come inside. Can I just, let's just, um, let's be in your pastor for just a moment. When you're working on studies, or sometimes we have men's groups and women's groups, and uh, maybe uh, uh, young adults, or whether it's a youth study, whatever it is, uh, we want to always encourage you to uh, talk to your teacher, or talk to a Sunday school director, or come talk to uh, me or to somebody on staff uh, before you just launch off and get a curriculum and, and, and head off with it. You say, well, I like that person. Yeah, but we, we, need, to, we need to work through that. We need to protect the congregation. It may be wonderful material. It may be a great thing, and we'll put the thumbs up and say, go get them. Love Jesus. Teach it to them. It might be that we say, hey, did you know this over here? This, this really isn't good. We need to stay away from that. That's, that's, that's not good. Sometimes it's not even this or this. It's somewhere in the middle where we say, hey, that's a good study. And uh, for the most part, that's, that's done well and right. But we, we, wanna, we want you to be careful. We want you to be scriptural right here and here. And notice this. And we need to work with each other. That's part of the way that your leaders keep the wolves from the outside from coming in. Here's another thing. If you're watching the television or listening to the radio or you hear somebody, a speaker out there in the world, and they say something that sounds really good that you've never heard before about Jesus or about Christianity, two things. One, it's probably not true. Because Christianity's been around a long time with a lot of thinkers and you're probably not going to come up with anything new. Okay? Two, if you do really like it, don't buy into it wholesale. Come talk to your elders. Come talk to your leaders. Come talk to your pastor and your Sunday school teacher and say, hey, I heard this. Am I thinking straight? Is this careful? Is this right? Sometimes there's wolves within a congregation. I thank God for the congregation that we have here. Just as, as a pastor, man, I talk with friends around the country 
And <laughs> I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we have our, we have our warts, we have our problems, we, we have our hiccups. But thank God we have a degree of unity and love within this church. I, I think I told you, it's being recorded, so I'm sure I'll hear from mom this week. Now, sometimes mom will, mom will call me or uh, text me. She's getting the texting thing down pretty good. She'll text me after I preach a Sunday on unity, and she'll say, son, is everything okay? Everything all right there? What's wrong? Everything, mom, it's all right. Just preventative maintenance. Just preventative maintenance. I'll say to you, in our congregation, we are always to strive for unity and love and joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you're a wolf among us that's causing problems, be real careful because there's a special place in hell for you. Number two, if you hear somebody within the life of a church causing division and heartache and pain by their gossip and spew of that, you stand in the place of Christ to gently take that person aside and tell them you're sinning. This isn't right. If you have a problem, go talk to that person. But for heaven's sakes, don't spread this kind of stuff. Wolves without, wolves within... And you know what? Sometimes the wolf's inside of me. And sometimes the wolf is inside of you. The Apostle Paul is careful to say in that verse 28, be on guard for yourself. See, It's not just that leaders get to teach out here for all of that. Leaders look back and say, be careful. Be on guard for yourself. Make sure that you're living a right and a holy and a life that isn't gossiping about other people, but it's magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul takes time in his last sermon to these elders to say, be faithful to Christ. Be faithful in the presence to live for Him. And be aware that there will come a time when it'll be hard. Be faithful. Now here's how the Apostle Paul finishes up. Here for my people that are here today, and you always want the application point, let me just point them out to you. The Apostle Paul gives you the application in verse 31 through verse 35. You might just want to underline them or jot this word off to the side. Look what he says. He says in verse number 31, Therefore, you see, because these wolves are without and within and within ourselves, he says, therefore, be on the alert. Can I just say, maybe I would say, don't be careless. Don't be careless. Be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I didn't cease to admonish each of you with tears. Look at verse number 32. So I would say, be careful or don't be careless, right? In verse number 32, he says, uh, And now I commend to you, uh, to you God and the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among the sanctified. Can I say this? Not only don't be careless, don't be shallow. Build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Read the Word and pray the Word and live for Jesus. Serve and be in the Word. Build yourself up. Don't be a shallow Christian. Look at verse number 33. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. Don't be covetous. Don't covet what other people have. Now you might think, you might be here today and say, Pastor Steve, that's a simple, that's a simple point from the Ten Commandments that we shouldn't covet. I want to say to you, just look in your life honestly for a few minutes and you'll find some areas that you covet. What other people have, what you don't have. Learn to be satisfied in Jesus. And then look at verse number 34. You yourselves know that these hands have ministered 
to my own needs. I would say this, don't be lazy. You know, the Apostle Paul here, and the Bible is clear about those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And you ought to, for those that are in full-time vocation ministry, certainly believe in all of that. But the, even the Apostle Paul says here, hey, listen, I'm not above tent making. I'm not above working my hands. When we have a church work day, doesn't mean that the pastor gets to sit at home and sip on a martini. Okay, I'd never do that. But anyway, doesn't mean he does that. It means that he comes. And he, it doesn't mean that he's got to do all the work, but it means that he's willing to do some of the work. Amen? That was a good place for you to give me a zinger, right? Amen? Good. I'm preaching to you. You can preach to me. But listen, if I'm supposed to be uh, uh, faithful and work hard and not be lazy, don't you think that means for all of us to be faithful and work hard and not be lazy in our life? Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy in your work life where you make a living every day. Don't be lazy in your church life. Listen, don't, don't uh, move away from gifts and callings and then just regular duties in church life, right? Uh, well, listen, God has called me to be a teacher. Amen. That's wonderful. But if you see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up. Okay? God doesn't have to give you a special calling to be a custodian. Well, we got somebody to do that. I better be careful. Listen. Well, we, we, gotta, we, 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 need some, we need some folks to hold babies, or we need some help in the nursery, or we're going to have a church work day, or hey man, we got a, we got a big day coming up for Easter, we need some setup, we need some of that. Well, God, God's, called me to, uh, God's called me to be a teacher. God's called me to lead this. God's called me into this committee. And that's what I do to serve Jesus. Listen, man, God may have given you a gift or a talent or a calling, and that's wonderful. God, God's called me to pastor, to teach, to preach. This is, this is what I do. Well, listen, we're going to set up on for Easter. And uh, I'm going to pitch in. And so should you. All right? Don't mix up gifts and callings and the regular everyday opportunities to serve the Lord. Work at it. Don't be lazy. Don't push that off on somebody else. Don't push that off on somebody else. Just serve the body of Christ. It'll be all right. All right? And then look here at the text. I like verse 35. In everything I showed you that by working hard, by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Don't be selfish. Okay? Don't be selfish. Well, I, I worked hard for that. It's mine. Sure it is. Don't be selfish. Well, I don't know how hard they work. Just let it be. Let God sort all that out. Be, be prudent, you know. Be, use wisdom. Just don't be selfish. Help out those that are weak. Help out those folks in our church who, who need help. Maybe they've lost a job. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, they're in, in a position where they just don't have enough right now. Just give. Give of your time. Give of your money. Give of your ability. Help out. Serve. Help the weak. You sure would want somebody to help you if you were, wouldn't you? And you know what? Some of you have been in that place before where you needed to lean on somebody. So when you find somebody else that needs help, let them lean on you a little bit. Amen? That's your takeaway. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Hey, he says, hey, this is my last sermon to you. This is what I want you to know. I was faithful to Jesus in the past. I'm living for Jesus now. There's going to come a time where it'll get hard when I'm gone. Stay faithful and take care of the wolves without and the wolves within and the wolves within me and live a right and a holy and a good life. Let me just finish by giving you this right here. This is application and we'll close, okay? I want you to be careful that I don't put this 
weight, arbitros, or albatross around your neck. I don't want you to walk out of here today and say, Pastor Steve wants me to be the Apostle Paul. I don't. And neither does the Apostle Paul. God has not called you to live the Apostle Paul's life. God has called you to live your life with Apostle Paul-like faithfulness. Is that better? God has placed you at a space and a time and a manner and a character of life. Whatever your sphere looks like, God has called you to that place. So live your life but live it with this kind of faithfulness, dedicated to the, to the furtherance of the good news of Jesus, dedicated to looking at my life and selling out and giving Christ everything, and dedicated to living for Him, helping others and those that are in need, serving Christ and serving His church in the way that you can in your life. That's what Christ has called you to. What would your life look like this week if you walked out of here and said, that's the Apostle Paul's last sermon, my past, my present, my future, and when I die, this is the way I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered being faithful to the gospel, living a holy life, and helping the church carry out the mission of God. What would your life look like? What would our church look like in the next six months if we all decided to take that to heart and live that way, being faithful to the gospel, being holy in our lives, and looking to help God's people be everything they could be in this community. I pray that God will touch your heart with that today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you've not prayed this week. This is just a quiet time right there quickly with you and the Lord. Don't worry about what you're going to eat for lunch. Just pray. Say, Lord, this is an area of my life that needs some help. I want to be faithful to tell people about Jesus. I want to be faithful to be holy. And I want to be faithful to help your church. Just right where you are. Pray and give that to the Lord. I want to say that if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now is an opportunity right there between you and God just to talk to Him and say, Lord, I want to trust You with my life. I want You to be the Lord of my life. I'm tired of serving myself. Please be my Lord and Savior. Alright, church, let's stand together and sing. These altars are open. If you want to come and pray, Feel free to do that. Let's sing together as we close. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.